Welcome to Healing is in Your Hands, Empower Yourself Through Holistic Healing. Thanks for joining us today. This episode is quite different than any we have done before. We decided to take the show on the road and go on a forage walk. You might ask, what is a forage walk? Well, a forage walk is walking in the woods, looking to identify and harvest wild medicine, wild plants and mushrooms. I share a little bit about my history with foraging in this episode. For all the fans of Kim, you won't hear her at first because she was busy doing social media, but don't worry, you'll hear her later on. Our podcast producer, Andrea Maraskin, also came on the walk, and you'll hear from her in the recording also. I'd like to especially give a shout out to all the foragers that came out particularly Lynn Murdoch, who shared a lot of insight and wisdom. But it was so great to have so many people there that brought their knowledge and shared their insights. It was a really awesome journey we went on. So check it out. Yeah, so we have some foraging people. Cool. All right. So I just wanted to share just a little bit about, you know, who I am and what and what I do. Okay. Um, I've been foraging since 2001. That's when I first uh, met a teacher that was teaching me primitive skills and learning about wild medicine. Then I've kind of learned more and more every year. I learn something new and uh, I integrate it as part of my, my life. I've used natural medicine to heal myself from, from chronic inflammation and disease. I make tinctures out of a lot of wild medicine and I, I utilize them with my clients. Also Chinese herbal formulas and bunch of other stuff Um, and I love connecting with nature and really just you know bringing people along the ride and teaching people more about it and it's a little bit of a walk to get where I believe the mushrooms will be so we're going to identify some stuff along the way maybe pick some autumn olive but I feel like we should kind of get up there and see what we can find and then maybe come back down and you know see how it goes all right well let's start walking over here see what we can find there's all sorts of stuff. I mean, as you start looking around, you're seeing some dandelion, some plantain. But then you chew that up and put it on, it yeah. just stops the sting and Absolutely. it takes that's a burns or, yeah, definitely like with stinging nettles. Like if you get do the stinging nettle sting, you rub up that plantain. Yeah. And then you want to chew it a little bit. Yeah. The saliva helps to bring that out, so... And it's amazing, like, they'll just grow all, like, as soon as they start growing, they just keep replicating. And they actually, they put up in the summer, they put up a little shoot that is their seeds, their little seed pods, and that's actually a great source of B12. Isn't that what Metamucil was made from, the seeds? The, uh, oh. I think the plantain seeds, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that means it's going to help you go to the bathroom then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for people listening, we're just standing in the middle of a field, like regulation, any field, soccer field, front lawn, you can find these plantains, which look kind of like dandelions, but yeah, but a little bit more round, yeah, round they're, they're leaves. Oval, they're oval leaves, yeah. I'm, I'm actually always concerned about peeking them on the lawn. That's why I like going down there, because it's protected, you know, and... We're well away from the road. You don't want to be anywhere 50 yards from the road. Unfortunately, most people are spraying with Roundup and different things, and you absolutely want to avoid glyphosate like the plague. But here's, you know, here's some dandelion. 
So this would be super bitter right now, but this is when you would want to get the roots. See, everything now is going down to the root. Especially if you find a more older plant, you, you know you would get a longer root to, to be digging that up. Okay, but dan you can find dandelion anywhere. Every part of the plant is edible. The flower, the stem, the leaf. Yeah, make wine out of that too. Yeah, yeah, you can make dandelion wine. Yeah. I make tincture out of these in the spring. I love I love the, the taste of the tincture flower. I mix it in with like some violet, things that are growing around that time. And but, the oil with the flower is good for like breast massage, breast tissue uh, stuff. Yeah, help open up the lymph yeah. too, yeah. And it's amazing liver detox. That's like its main thing. It's, it's also good for the kidneys too. So it's it's got so much medicine for us. It's a shame that people spend so much money killing it. <laughs> so thank you, dandelion. Mugwort's really good for your lungs. It's an it's amazing respiratory tonic. It's used in, in Chinese medicine to move blocked energy on all levels. So the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual level. And uh, it's actually part of the leaves are ground up into what's, what's known as moxa, moxa bushin. So if you ever see those sticks or the points. Yeah, right? Similar look to rosemary. It does, but but it doesn't go directly opposite from each other. It's more alternate. Mm -hmm. So, but yes, it has that silvery on the bottom, and it's not as it's not as tough as rosemary. Like it's thinner, you know. But it smells really good. Yeah, I love making tea out of it. Tincture, and and you could also make this as a poultice if someone has a lung condition. But yeah, you want to smell? This sm it smells like essential oils, unless that's you that I'm oh, smelling. Yeah, it gives you amazing dreams, too. Like, I, I use it as an essential oil, too. And, like, if I don't want to have amazing dreams, I won't put it on before bed because, like, it, it, it's guaranteed to have, have vivid dreams. But it's good for people who have issues sleeping. You know, it really helps to promote that REM sleep. Mugwort. Like, like moxa. Yes. And as you see, I mean, we're going to walk by <laughs> hundreds of plants of it. It's all over there. It's all over here. So it's a wild invasive. And that's part of our, I, I feel like part of our job is to eat the invasives, you know. So um, because they're, they weren't originally here and they're actually kind of starving out a lot of the native plants. But they have a lot of medicine for us to offer. I feel like all these plants are here in this time to help heal us. Steep it in the, in, in water? Too? Yeah, you would want to dry it out first. Though. Oh. Yeah. You always want to dry the herbs so they don't go bad, so don't, don't have any mold in them. Mm -hmm. You know what I like to do, too, a little tip is any, um, if you get those decusants that are in, like, uh, any product or vitamin pills or anything like that, save them. I have a huge bag of them. And when I dry my herbs, and if there's something that I think there could be a little bit of moisture in it, I put it in, a, in the ball jar, and then it prevents mold from growing. Because there's definitely been times where I thought I, I dried it out all the way, and next thing you know, a couple months later, it's all bad. How do you identify mugwort and tell it from all the other invasive weeds out there? First off, it grows, this is at its end of its cycle, right? So it's going to start off 
shorter down, but it has these teeth, okay? And they grow they grow alternate each other and and they they definitely have that silvery on the bottom and those these lanced lobes. It it is kind of looks like rosemary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and they and like like I said, they do grow, you know, in in the sun, in thickets and fields, and it's it, there's really not much else that actually looks like this once they come all together and they have that white on the bottom that silver on the bottom so that that's how i would recommend and and that real fragrant that camphorous smell that's bittersweet you don't want to eat that <laughs> just so you know uh, yeah. yeah that's deadly poison these are bright yellow yeah, little berries Invading the whole state. yeah they are invasive yeah i'm not sure but I, I've been told that I've been told that the whole plant is poisonous. So that Native Americans actually used used to use this similar to like how we use morphine, like when someone was dying and it was time for them to transition. Even though it's it can make you sick, but they I think they would figure it out a way to they probably added other herbs to offset. But um, it's it's very common. People will put it in their homes like for the fall as a decoration, you know. But you also want to be careful that like a dog or something wouldn't eat that because they are definitely the berries are definitely poison this stuff is wild rose right here people call it pricker bush usually it's a bane of people's existence but um, and it, it is a wild invasive you see it's growing everywhere here around may though is a great time to harvest the flowers that you'll smell them so mm-hmm. fragrant and sweet yeah. i put them in so, yogurt it's good yeah yeah they're, they're amazing this is autumn olive so we're gonna find a lot more down there. I know that berries have already come up, but these are the these silvery leaves, and they're, they're they got. If you look closely, they have little spots on them, and we'll see later. There'll be there'll be berries on them. How do you tell autumn from Russian olive? I'm not sure, actually, but I just know that this is autumn olive. Do you have any insight on that? No. Because the silver, the yeah. Boy. And the berries have speckles in them. Yeah, the berries have the, yeah, just like, see how you look really close to this? And you see those little speckles? Mm-hmm. The berries have the same thing. Yeah. We're going to see it down there. Is this related to olives that grow in the Mediterranean? This is, in a, yeah, this is part of the olive family. Yep. And it was brought, it's an Asian variety, so it, was, it came over here somehow, and, and the birds love it, so oh, yeah. then they spread it everywhere. They so before I can get to them. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Hopefully, I, I know there'll still be, there's so many down there. So, you know, we could spend a lot of time in this field, but <laughs> we should keep, keep going. I do want to show this just real quick. This is goldenrod. You'll find this I'm everywhere in the summer, too. Um, I love this plant. Um, it's actually one of the last sources of pollen for the bees, which is super important because especially since we're killing the bees with all the roundup and all the stuff. So, um, but I use, I use the flowers and I use the, the leaves and like I make, I can make a salve out of the flowers or a tea. Um, and the leaves are really good for tonifying the kidneys. That's like one of the best things it's for. It's also good for your heart, for circulation apple cider vinegar mm. so it makes a good immune boosting yeah. like salad ingredient you know yeah. you just put on anything and it's in the same family as ragweed 
Okay, so a lot of people had the ragweed allergy. I'm convinced if they had more goldenrod in their life, they wouldn't have an allergy to ragweed because it actually helps to build up your immune system's response to that to the allergy. So, and you'll find this just like just like the mugwort. I mean, it's growing in the mugwort. You'll find this in a lot of fields, a lot of roadsides, thickets, pretty much a lot of places. So it likes the sun. This is an elder tree. So this is where you get the prized elderberries that we like to make syrups from and I, I like making tincture out of. It's part of my immunity tonic. So to properly identify the elder tree, you see these little, they have all these little nubs on them and, and they're gray on the branches, okay? And then the leaves, they're compound. There's usually five Everybody to seven on each little stem, the rocks, and they're okay. lanced, okay? And they, so they have, and then they have teeth on them. And they're kind of like uh, irregular shaped, a little lighter on the back, okay? Just to help you identify an elder tree. So you only want to get the flowers. You get the flowers like in June, around, around that time, and the berries. From, from this plant. So in the berries you get like in July, maybe August. So every other part of the plant is not usable. Um, and you want to cook, you always want to cook elderberries too or dry them out because the seeds do have a little bit of cyanide in them which can upset your stomach. So it's not gonna hurt you, but you know, you just might have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you won't die though. Um, but uh, so I always, I always either dehydrate them or cook them up, and make elderberry syrup. She found a mushroom. Huh? She found a mushroom. A red mushroom. Oh yeah, that looks like a rusella. It's a little old, and I'm not sure if it's edible. There are edible varieties of rusella. You would have to do a spore print of it to properly identify it. But yeah, that's definitely a Rucella species, species, genus. So this is like autumn olive row. <laughs> These are when they, they ripen first too. Here we go. I told you we'd that's find better. a lot more. That's better. These are better, right? Yeah. yeah. See, because these ripen first, because yeah. it's sunnier here. They hit more Closer of the sun. to the ground. Yeah. The warmth of the ground. Mmm. About the same color as cranberries, maybe about half or a third of the size of a cranberry. And if you look closely, they've got those little speckles. And it tastes, it tastes kind of like a mix between a cranberry and a sea berry, a pomegranate. So yeah, feel free to harvest a lot of these. Like we can take as much as we want because it's an invasive, mm -hmm. so. And you want, like the ones that are a little harder, like when you feel them, you might want to leave them. Like they just might be tartar, but the ones that are like, you can kind of squish them better. But I think they're all good. I take so. them all, I yeah. just add more honey, that's all. Yeah, I take them all, but it's personal preference, so mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. They're good. What's again, the medicinal benefit of this? It's uh, filled with vitamin C, vitamin A, antioxidants. Uh, it's kind of like you know a bear, you know, like a, how a raspberry would be. And it's mm. and it's like amazing to make like a jam. See these? You, you want to taste 
like what, what's good too is you taste from each tree and see which ones like these are a little tart like i like i would like there's some that they get sweeter after it gets cold you know what i mean but if you're making like a jam out of them or a fruit leather or something you can add some sweetener right, so. feed, feed the producer huh well okay there's a seed can i spit it out you can spit it out okay all right ready thank you Oh wow, it's sour. It's, wow. it's pretty tart. Wow. Yeah, it dries your mouth right out when you yeah. stringe it. But it's good for you. It's good for your kidneys. Yeah. You know? It look it looks like a little kidney. It's the doctrine of signatures that things in nature look like what they're good for, what they're gonna help you <laughs> with. I have Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. My nose Where is running. Around you too, right? Yeah. <laughs> sort of. It's mean to you sometimes. Yeah, he's a pain in my butt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Owen. It's decent. All right, let's see. Okay, so then you take this, and are you right handed? I am. All right, take it in your right hand. <laughs> Kim now has. The microphone. The lead chicken has handed it over. So look at all these berries. Oh my god. Or olives more particularly, but they look like berries. jam out of them. You be jamming? Or you can make a fruit leather. A what? A fruit leather. Leather? Yeah. What does that mean? What you would do is put this, put them through a food mill to separate the seeds and then you get the pulp of, of the, the berry. People make that with all sorts of stuff. Like it's, um, like you can make strawberry fruit leather, like um, raspberry fruit leather. And it takes like jam you put on your toast? Basically, but it's you, but it's leathery. You mean like a fruit lo- roll up? Well, kind of like a natural, like a natural version. It, they're a natural fruit roll up. Like fruit Trader Joe's has them. Fruit, fruit roll ups were adopted from fruit leather. Fruit leather came first. Oh, just want right. to specify. Just, just, get, set yeah. the just to get it just out there. Set the record right. straight. All right, I lost my group. Fruit leather came before yeah, the fruit roll up. <laughs> oh, that. Okay, listen to all this mud podcast peeps. Hey, where'd everybody go? And Eric lost a lot of people. <laughs> so if you ever decide to come foraging with Eric, you might want to put a little harness on you and strap oh. yourself to Eric. And wear serious boots. Like this is. Like... Okay, what is this? What is what? This, the wooden plank in front of us. This is new. They just built this. Why?
This could be uh, this could be a boarded entoloma, like they call it shrimp of the woods. <laughs> shrimp of the yeah, woods. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of varieties of this, so I'm not 100% sure on that. But I think that's in the entoloma. So would that be? Yeah, it is. At if, if it was a shrimp, it would, it would be edible. Yeah. Do you think this is another russula? That I think I believe that is another russella mushroom. Yeah, they're very common. They grow. I'm not sure. I would have to do a spore print. So did I did I explain the spore print or did we get distracted? No, we got distracted. All right, all right. So you said white paper. Yeah. So to make a spore print, you would want to cut the the stem off, okay? And I lay it down on on. I actually have a spore print book, so I can like you know properly recall them later. But um, but you want white piece of paper or maybe clear or something like that, and then you put the the gill side down or the pore side down. And I like to use a quart-sized ball jar, and but it can be any glass jar, and you cover it and make sure it's sealed around the mushroom so no air can escape. And then and the mushroom has to be moist too; it can't really be dried out. It's got to be fresh. And then within you know, they say anywhere from four to eight hours, but I leave it overnight and um, it definitely, the mushroom will release its spores basically and onto that piece of paper. Hmm. And when you, when you see that, that is, that's, you know how to identify it. Cause my colleagists have done spore prints for, I mean, there's millions of varieties of mushrooms and the way that one of the ways that you properly identify is knowing the spore print of that mushroom. And so they you, look at that spore and they can tell what what it's from, like what kind of mushroom. Yeah, yeah, oh, mycologists can. Wow. Yeah, like you know, but yeah. and they're beautiful looking. Like you know, some of, and and some of them. So some mushrooms that that could be a look alike. It would be like, oh, well, so this one I thought it was like an oyster mushroom, for example, right? There's yeah. this variety called uh, Copidatus aplanatus, and it doesn't grow in the same way as an oyster mushroom, but it looks similar to an oyster mushroom. Mm. And so people get confused. Yeah. And if you were to do a spore print of it, it would be a brown spore print, oh, okay. almost dark brown, oh. yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, an oyster mushroom would be, uh, a lot of times it's lilac colored or white or cream. Those are all oyster, there's different varieties of oyster mushrooms. So, okay. um, so, and that's a, that's just So you need to have example. a book with it's good to have a book, book. Yeah. yeah. I like really to like. use the North, for this region, uh, the North American uh, Field Guide, the Audubon Society, North American yeah. Field Guide to Mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. I also like this book um, from David Spar. It's like uh, New England Mushroom Guide. He's this guy in Maine that, that's a real big mushroom guy around here. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's good to, good to have mushroom books. And also I use um, the Peterson's Field Guide for, for wild plants, you know, Northeast. Um, or I think it's North America, but you can get also like for specifically for the region, because it is true. Like you could a same mushroom or plant could be totally different. Like if you go out west, especially like a Pacific Northwest, or you know, it could look the same, but it could be totally different. So something that could be edible here, the look-alike over there, it could be poisonous. So it's, it's important to know your region and know, yeah. you know, so. That looks like a bolete. The type so of. So now, if it's spongy like that, that's supposed to mean. Well, this would be probably too far gone. But those are more edible when they're spongy without the gills. Not. No, 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 no. This is just a different type of mushroom. This is a bolete mushroom. 
So, and it's very common that they, they have these pores like this. So do okay. you know that would be edible? I would have to do a spore print. Bolites, no matter what. Bolites are tricky. Like, you have to, re you have to definitely do a spore print. Because I've gotten bolites that I thought were one thing. And then I did a spore print. I was like, oh, that's totally different. Okay. Like, like, I thought it was a lilac bolete. And then it was a bitter bolete. So it was, tasted awful. I couldn't even eat it. <laughs> and bolites mostly come up in the summer, too. Oh, these are turkey tails right here. Oh. Wait, how did you know that so quickly without, I mean, you didn't look at the other side. So they're velvet on top, and they look like a turkey tail. Oh, all right. You yeah, know, right with their on. striation. It's yeah. called Tremides Versicolor, because they can come in variety of colors. Okay? But they have these tiny white pores on the bottom. So a turkey tail will always have white pores on the bottom. <laughs> These have been here a little while, but they're still all right. They're just wet. So what, how do you, you just so I, like a regular mushroom, saute or something? No, 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 I don't, feel them. They'd be way too chewy to eat. I don't eat these. Okay. I make tincture or tea out of them. All right. Because it's super beneficial for your immune system. Like mm -hmm. this is, they've done studies on the effectiveness of healing cancer with this mushroom. So it's, it's very powerful. So again, what that you were headed toward that? Well, uh, I was seeing this, oh, yeah, and sure. see a lot yeah. of times you'll see like turkey tails will grow around where other mushrooms are too. Okay. So we're getting uh, over here was where where she's going is where I wanted to go. So she knows what she's doing. Yeah, well, over that ridge, like I said, I found hundreds of honeys when I was here a couple weeks ago. So those are honey mushrooms? Yeah, and see how it has a, a ring around it? That's, that's the way you properly identify a hun honey oh. mushroom. That ring is very important because ringless honey mushrooms are even less edible. That white like, Do they always have such a thick stem? No, they don't always have a, such a thick stem. And a lot of times you'll find them growing in a bulb all together. Their stems will all be attached. You want to get them when they're small, like this, but you also want to make sure you know that they have a ring around their stem. Are those more turkey tails right, right down there? No, those are false turkey tails. Because if you look underneath, you can it'll the color will go right through. Oh, right. yeah, they're not white. No white. You're lost. I would get lost. Yeah. Not exactly on a trail at this point. Yeah, that's what I mean. We're not on a. Now we're like randomly walking through the <laughs> So this is that full cluster. You see how they're all connected? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, these are definitely honey mushrooms. Right? You see how it's got that ring on it? Yeah. Those are edible? Yeah. yeah. You want to cook them for a while though. Yeah. Okay. Like a good 20 minutes. That's a There's a bunch of chickens up there. Yeah. We're going to gobble gobble. <laughs> Wait, no. Chickens going buck buck buck. Well, whatever. <laughs> so we already got turkeys, so I was on the turkey so this train. So honey mushrooms? Yeah, but I, I got some smaller ones that the you can have them. The smaller ones taste better. Yeah. yeah. When they get big like that, they're... What I like to do with this is the soup. It sort of kind of comes like a Chinese soup. It's a little bit slimy, so you can make an Asian soup. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I usually leave them when they're like that. And they yeah. smell good. Yeah, they smell, they smell really edible. good. Yeah. 
One tree trunk covered with bright orange chicken of the woods. Wow, there's just shelves and shelves oh, of them. Right. They've just been wet. They just got wet. Is that what that is? Yeah. But the bugs haven't gotten like to them yet. Okay. So what I do, I tap them. See, no bugs. Good. <laughs> this is this is a wineberry bush right here. You always want to see, like, make sure it's not poison That's ivy. That's why I was looking at, but I saw the fuzzy um, yeah. stem. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think it was. So yeah, this is definitely Latipora sulfurus, shelf mushroom, polypore, chicken of the woods. Wow. And, and this is on an oak tree. See, see those striations there? You're gonna cut like that. One and a half inch oh. to two inch in. Why? Yeah. So why is that? Oh, it is that's the part discarding. Yeah. And the inner side. Oh, he said and it's good. All right. All right. Sorry. Everybody's talking at once. Say that again. <laughs> so the outer part that you're cutting is you're discarding. No, the outer part is what you're eating oh. because that's the most tender. Oh. Okay. okay. This part is just tougher. See? See the difference? That oh, yeah. I can stab through. This I can't. Yeah. So he just brings these home and sautés them. Is that right? Yeah, I like to just cook them up. I've put them in soup before, though, too. But but they're great fried, sautéed. I do a little bit of olive oil, garlic, salt, and pepper. The chicken of the woods is like chicken. Yeah, it's got the texture of chicken. Like, it peels like chicken. I wouldn't say, other than that, it tastes like chicken. Some people say it tastes like lobster. I've heard that. Okay. There's also lobster mushroom, too. <laughs> yeah, there is a lobster mushroom, yeah. So I forgot to say, um, you know how you know how at first I took off that whole part could, of the chicken. Did you chicken, get some? Yeah. Right. Well, another reason why I do that is because I make uh, mushroom slurries. Okay. And and what that is is because I know I'm not going to eat that part, but I'm going to save that and I put it in water overnight, and then the spores open up, and then I go and spread. So I, I live right in the woods, and so I go and spread the spores all over the woods. Oh. So you make your own little spore plugs, more or less. Yeah, basically, yeah. Okay. and it and it and it worked. Like th I did it last year, and this year a chicken in the woods came up where I, I put spores last year. Really? I spread the spores all over the place. Whatever, I, I just make sure I put them on the right dead tree, you know, where they might grow. And so whatever mushrooms I get, because a lot of times if you don't eat the stems, but if you want to propagate those mushrooms, that's an easy way to do that. So it's soak called. It in water you soak it in water overnight and, and the, the spores will release. So it's called a mushroom slurry. So with, with chicken in the woods, you want to find like a dead or dying oak and, and, and dump the water and I'll let the mushrooms go there too. I'm just reeling the dead tree. No wonder they're growing on the tree. <laughs> so, it's sometimes, it, sometimes there could be a dead limb on the tree. You know, and the tree might look mostly alive, but if there's the mushroom growing on it, it means it's probably, you know, it's starting its process. Hmm. Very cool. Healing is in your hands is sponsored by 
Brand Fearless, social media for social good. Everything we do, we do with the idea of bringing good to the world. And Chief for Healing, using holistic healing practices to connect the mind, body, and spirit. Healing is in your hands is looking for sponsors who share our mission to educate and empower through holistic healing. If your business is interested in becoming a sponsor, email us at healingisinyourhands at gmail.com. Or you can click the link at the bottom of the description in your app to make a monthly donation of as little as 99 cents a month. You can find some photos of the plants and mushrooms we identified on the walk on our Facebook page at Healing is in Your Hands. Today, our meditative moment is inspired by taking a moment to be in nature. Imagine that you are deep in the forest, sitting beneath a tree. Bring awareness inside your body. Notice the rise and fall of your belly with every inhale and exhale. Listen to the sounds of nature around you. You hear the rustling of the leaves with the wind, the bird song. You may hear a babbling of a brook in the distance. Connect with all of nature around you as you continue to focus on your breath. And bring your awareness to the tree that you are sitting on. Feel your back resting against the base of this tree. And feel your feet planted on the earth. Imagine that you have roots coming out from the base of your feet. And like the roots from this tree, feel them moving deep into the earth. Let yourself connect to the roots of the tree. Feeling your roots and the tree's roots coming together. And you feel the connection that the tree has to the land. You begin to see through the tree's eyes what life is like 
you feel the connection that it has to other trees and plants, to mushrooms, the mycelium kingdom, to all of nature around it, to the plants, the animals. And you see its perspective, how it stays in one place, stays rooted in the earth and surrenders to all that is, surrenders to the cycle of life, to the changing of the seasons. Trees know how to go with the flow, to surrender and let go of their leaves in the fall, to begin anew again in the springtime. They have so much medicine to teach us. There is so much that they can give. It's up to us to make the choice to connect with them and receive their medicine. Feel yourself moving up through the roots of this tree. You come up to the base of the trunk. Feel the strength here, the foundation. And let yourself move farther up through the tree, up into its branches. Feel the energy rising up to its leaves and feel yourself moving up through the canopy of the tree. Feel its presence and all its glory. truly get to feel what it's like to live the life as a tree. To be connected to nature at all times. Follow us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, Healing is in your hands. Twitter, healing is in you one. And of course, on Snapchat at Feral20 and Earthwalker11. Remember to subscribe and tell your friends. And if you have a minute, rate and review Healing is in Your Hands on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It really helps other people find the show.